Well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I see you guys here. It's so wonderful to see you. I was gone last week. My wife was leading. We were at uh, the funeral for, uh, we call him Popok. That's Erica's uh, grandfather. And he did. He lived a great life. He was worked construction. He was in masonry. And the whole town knew him. Had his own business. It was wonderful to see a long Christian life a life well lived. So thank you to Brett who spoke last week. Good job. You could listen to that message. He started a, a series on church and we'll continue through that series on church today. But a couple things. I, we never gave a shout out to the awesome kids camp that happened the week after last. A huge shout out to volunteers. I see some of you in our staff production team. It was incredible. We had uh, four days right in here. I remember back in January, our goal was to do some sort of outreach with kids. And we had this idea of doing a free summer camp, feeding them lunch, uh, putting on a big, we had like cotton candy and ice, uh, what are those things? Ice cones, snow cones. Thank you. We had a bounce house out here. It was epic. It was fun. And each day we preached the gospel, just a little five minute message. And here's a cool story. At the end, uh, Meredith, our kids director downstairs, she gave like a, a very gentle uh, altar call. Come forward if you, would, if you know you want to follow Jesus and come get prayed for and 10 little kids came forward and we got to pray over them and it was just wonderful. Uh, I asked to tell this other story, uh, a young man named Colson. How old is Colson? He's 11. He was going to be a junior helper. And the day before camp, he's just really excited to help. The day before camp, he was sick. And so you took a COVID test and he was positive. So we had to sit out the whole week. And he was sad. I heard about that. I, tears came to my eyes. But the production team, you guys back there, our team back there, they had a live stream in, sent him a private link. And he was able to watch it. All the kids made a sign that said, we miss you, Colson, and held it up. And it, it was just so cool. The camp was a huge success. We'll do it again next year. It'll be awesome. Kids from outside of our church came. It was exactly what we intended. So praise the Lord. Those of you that give to New Life Manitou, uh, that came out of our normal operating budget. So keep giving. The Lord has been blessing our church. It was just wonderful. So let's start this sermon. Turn to John chapter 13. In your Bibles, the, the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, now, what comes at John? Yeah, John 13, verse 1. We'll stand in just a moment, but first let me just uh, say that the title of this sermon is The Church is a Representation of God's Love on Earth. The church, that's us, that's who we are, what we do, is a representation of God's love on earth. And I really hope that through this series, it's going to be about a six or seven week series, that some of the excitement for church that I have, that some of us have, will rub off on one another and we'll just be excited to talk about church, to learn about church, to do church. It's like, you know, people light up when, when they're asked, what's your favorite restaurant, right? Like you probably have a favorite restaurant. What's your favorite restaurant? You could yell it out. Chipotle, Marigold's, that's right. We went to, yeah, my wife and I, yeah, what else? P.F. Chang's, what? 
I heard pickles. I'm hearing all kinds. One of my favorites. Is, has anybody been to the cantina up the road in Manitou? Just a couple hands. But you need to. It's my like people ask me. They you know. Oh Joe, oh, we're going to visit Manitou. Where should we eat? And I said, Well, there's a lot of great downtown places. But if you are able to make your way outside of downtown, the cantina. You could sit outside and it's Mexican food and get the mocha. I just I just get excited and I hope. In that same way, as some of you just got excited talking about your favorite restaurant, that we will talk about some of the wonderful, joyful things that make up who we are as we are church. So hopefully you're there. John chapter 13, would you stand with me? We're going to read what Jesus does and then says to do as, uh, as he administers a service and a love for his disciples. And he says to do this kind of thing uh, as you love one another, uh, love them in the same way that I have loved you. We'll get to that in a second. But John 13 verse one says this, this is the preface to the story. It says, it was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress. The devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And in verse 3, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. I'm going to read that again because this prefaces what he's about to do. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So, verse says, verse four says, so he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. And skipping down to the end of the story, he says, a new commandment I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Verse 35, but everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Christ is in our midst. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We, we praise you that we are your church. We are a representation of your love to this world. Lord, help us, guide us. Let us be a powerful um, force for, for you, your kingdom on this earth. Lord, we pray this, we thank you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people at New Life Manitou shouted, amen, amen. amen. You may be seated. Uh, last week, uh, we weren't here, uh, Brett spoke, he talked about why church. He answered that question, why church? And he said, well, uh, because we often see Christianity as just like me and Jesus, me in my personal Jesus, well then why do we need to get up early on a Sunday morning? Well, as Summit Ministry, you guys have this morning off, right? Sunday's the morning off. You, they could have slept in and instead they woke up and they came here. So like, what's the big deal about church? And Brett preached a whole sermon on that. You can go back on YouTube or Facebook and watch that. It's a great preface for this whole series. And he talked about the church is actually crucial. The church is, he shared a, a low point of his life and how the church loved him back to life. The church has power. The church is a representation of God's love here on earth. The church is, you know, <clears throat> I think about 
Old Testament and New Testament. The Lord deals with people and, and faith is often a corporate thing. The Lord you know, has a relationship with a people group, a nation, a tribe in the New Testament. Whole families come to the Lord. Whole households come to the Lord. The Lord, it's not just a me and Jesus kind of faith. There is a value in corporate faith. There is a value in working out our faith. I mean, how do you and Jesus work out your faith? If it doesn't, you know, if we have people, because we're meant to be in community, we need one another to act out our faith. We need to learn and grow. And so what's happening here? Church is very, very important. It is crucial. And that was last week's message. This week's message today, I wanted to Define church. Today's sermon is what is church? And we're going to talk about it as the representation of God's love on earth. But I want to define that. This today will be a part one. Next week will be a part two. And we'll, next week we'll go into a formal definition of what church is. We'll nerd out. We'll do some nerd alerts next week. Not today. Uh, but, but this day, we're going to kind of talk generally about what church is. And there's very helpful metaphors and images when we get to defining what church is. For instance, if someone came up to you and said, hey, you got a church, right? Well, what is church all about? And I think we're, we're in a society now where more and more uh, grown adults have never been in church. And so what would you say if someone came up to you and said, hey, you're, you're a church goer. Really, seriously, I really don't know. What is church all about? I have ideas, but what, would you explain why you go to church and what is church? You would hopefully say, sure, well, let me give you some of you. You might start off with, well, it's a, first of all, it's the place where Christians worship. And then you would probably correct yourself and say, well, that's not, you know, we do refer to this building as our church, but uh, it, the, the building isn't the church, right? The people are the church. The building is uh, the temple where the church meets in. If we want it to be like very specific, we, the people, we are the church. And so it's, it's you know, I think about... Um, during in 2020, when, when COVID shut down, lockdowns, things were happening, and the schools closed down, two of our New Life churches, eight congregations meeting in a bunch of different places, speaking three different languages, and uh, New Life East and New Life Downtown were not able to meet because they met in a public school and a private school, and the schools were shut down for meeting. And so these whole congregations met at New Life North on a different day of the week, and it worked. They were still New Life Downtown and New Life East. It was like Taco Tuesday now on Friday morning. It was bizarre, but it was still like that we would all say like, yeah, that was New Life Downtown, even though they weren't meeting downtown. That was New Life East, even though they weren't meeting at East, they were meeting at North. It was just an inside story of like, yeah, of course the church isn't the building. The church is the people, a group of Christians, that's what the church is. A company of believers, we said that's what the, the church is. We could say an organization of Christians, and that might get a little too specific. We could even say a corporation, but that gets even like more into, we're not a business. We are, maybe a better way to say it, we're a movement of Christians. Christians were a movement of Christ followers. The Bible uses the body of Christ. You know this metaphor Paul uses? He says, some of you are like the hand, some of you are like the feet, some of you are like the eyes and the ears, and we all make up one body. We're the body of Christ. It's a great image. It's a great metaphor for who we are and what the church is. Another image uh, that's sometimes helpful is like an army, a holy army. That, that we have an enemy, which is darkness and, and evil. 
And I always kind of want to be sure to clarify that, that other people are not our enemies. I think that's, that's can I get an amen? That we love people. Like sometimes people like find out I'm a pastor of New Life Manitou in Manitou Springs. And with well-meaning uh, nuances, they'll say, oh good, you know, we're glad you got a church in Manitou. We got all those Wiccans and witches and hippies. And there's more hippies down there and there are liberals and there, there's more hippies down there. And you got you to gotta get them. You got fight them. And I'm always quick to say, you know, I actually know, I know quite a few Wiccans and we're not, our, you know, stance as church is not to fight and hurt and crush them because they are people loved by God. We, we are, we are here to crush and fight evil and darkness, but we love people and we present the gospel to people. Amen. Amen. So, so the, the metaphor, uh, all these metaphors are kind of falling short. The, my favorite metaphor, of, of course, will fall short as well. But my favorite is a team. Anybody, anybody play, play sports teams? Like we as the church, a good metaphor for church is the team of God. I, I know it's maybe silly to talk about church like that, but bear with me. It's the next five minutes of this sermon talking about <laughs> church as team. And, and the, there's no idea. <laughs> Thank you. Joel just said, there's no I in church. She's right. That's good. Good. It's like the team thing. Okay, I got it. Uh, teams have a goal to win. Teams have a strategy. Churches have goals to, to, to win. To, 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 uh, I mean, our goal, uh, let me just say it the way Jesus said it, John 13, 34, our goal, our, you know, how we win is this, to love one another. It says in John 13, 34, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Like what's our, if we're a team, what are we playing for? How do we win? Well, this is it, to love one another. And Jesus demonstrates this with the washing of the feet, which we'll go back to at the end of this sermon and re-talk about. But I think this, this image of team church, team God, is somewhat helpful because our culture is obsessed with winning and losing. Our culture is obsessed with sports. It's obsessed with you know, getting our kids in sports as early as possible. And parents are like fighting in the, in the, in the whatever, the, the little, uh, it's not a stadium, what are the things called? Beat bleachers. Anyways, parents are fighting. There's kids playing. We're teaching our sports, uh, kids sports younger and younger. We're obsessed with winning or losing. And when it comes to politics, like who's winning, who's losing. And, and we as a church, I think this, you know, we have to be careful about like, okay, what does it mean to win or to lose? And how do we play? How are we playing? I think this is maybe a helpful analogy. So I'll keep talking about it. I saw a YouTube video. A couple of weeks ago, it was of a coach talking to like little kids at Little League. And I think it was a parody, although there, there's got to be some truth here because I think people do think like this. And so this coach was like talking to little kids and saying, there's two kinds of people out there, winners and losers. And if your dad says that winning and losing doesn't matter and you just need to have fun. Well, guess what? Your dad is a loser. <laughs> like that's what this little YouTube, I was like, oh my gosh, this, I don't think it was real. I think it was a parody, but people think like that. You know, you know, you, to, to pick on Little League a little bit more, um, uh, 
there's, there, there's like a national little league and there's championships. And just a couple years ago, and then a couple years before that, there was like a scandal. There was cheating. They were using kids that lied about their age or they were using kids that were out of district playing for this team when they should have been playing. Like the kid knows, the parent knows, the coach knows, like they're cheating. And I think we're, we're all like, what? it's little league. Like my goodness, like the winning, the game is not that important. We would all say, yeah, yeah, there is something to be said about, well, it is, you know, for fun. And yet, like in this analogy, the, the fun thing, like if, if we're in sports just to have fun and you look over in the dugout and some kid's got his mom's phone and he's playing Minecraft, and you're like, Jimmy, come on, it's time to bat. And he's like, no, I'm having fun here playing Minecraft. He's like, come on, Jimmy, it's your turn. The team needs you. He's like, well, my mom and dad said it's just all about fun and I'm having more fun here. I think we would all say, well, well, it's not all about fun and it's not all about just winning. It's about sportsmanship. I think if, if, if your kids are in sports or if you're in sports, like there's something to, higher than winning, higher than having fun, and that's how you play. The, the saying is, it really doesn't matter. Winning and losing, it's how you play. Like sportsmanship, the, the value of working together as a team and then seeing those things go into the game and executing, like that's important lessons. Things like how to lose well and sportsmanship in Like we would all say there's really a higher value than just winning or having fun. So, all of this now is getting wrapped up. I've been talking about Little League and stuff. I, this is a sermon. Let's talk about church, shall we? we shall. <laughs> Thank you. We shall. So in church, like if we're talking about our goals and how, uh, how we win and what does our playbook look like, we would be quick to say, well, church isn't just all about fun and entertaining. Like I think the church really misses the mark if we uh, like lose the Bible and we just talk about motivational fun sermons, if we, you know, lose any worship and we just sing songs that are like popular radio motivational songs, like, well, the church's, you know, mission drift, we would say, has happened. If the church just becomes like a social club and all we're doing is socializing and that's the most important thing, we would all kind of say, well, we've drifted as a church away from our, what we're supposed to be doing and how we're supposed to be doing it, Right? And then maybe on the other side, if, if we get consumed, and maybe some of us in here, I know for me, like this is a temptation. If we just get consumed with winning, like the winning of the uh, of individual, I'm, I'm thinking through like analogy and I think through like politics. Like if we want to win on an issue and we are known as Christians as the mean, hateful obsessed with like winning in any way we can. We gotta get the vote. So we just play dirty and we're known as the mean people. I think we have drifted from our mission as a church. Can I get a subtle amen? I think like this is tempting. It's t- I know it's tempting. Like we wanna win. We want our values. We want the votes. We want this. But to, to be the ones that are known as the mean, hateful ones that are not playing by the rules Friends, this should not be. I have a couple like questions and thinking through this. Um, are we more concerned with winning America or Americans? And what I mean by that is like, are we more concerned about the vote or like the gospel being presented in love 
to people that need to hear it? Are we more concerned with winning the government or are we more concerned with winning Americans? Are we more concerned with the vote or are we more concerned with winning Americans? I think about how this looks like because I think, at least in me, it's, it's easy to be like, well, well, then what are we going to do? We're just going to sit back and do nothing? And that's, that's just kind of a scary, dangerous place to be, to do nothing. But I think if we're going to win and we're going to play right, we're going to win well, then we play the game. And this is all just a metaphor. I realize church is not just a game or a team. This is all a metaphor. But we play in such a way that we play as Jesus showed us how to play. We'll, we'll go back to this, this reading of where Jesus washes his feet, uh, washes the feet of his disciples. But I think about uh, a woman that I heard about as a kid growing up. I grew up Catholic. My parents took me to Catholic church. I think they might be watching online. So thanks, mom and dad, uh, for taking me to Catholic church. They took me every week. I went to mass. I went to Sunday school. And there was this lady in the 80s and 90s who's now a saint that I would hear about all the time as a Catholic little boy. She was a missionary in Calcutta. Her name is... Mother Teresa, everybody knows Mother Teresa. I, I'm a fan of Mother Teresa. Just this last year, I read a couple biographies of Mother Teresa. And you look at her, and she's weak. I mean, her, her physical appearance, she's frail. She's old. She's weak. It looks like she would get hurt playing ping pong. Forgive me, Mother Teresa, for saying that. But she's, you just look at her. It's like she's weak, right? She's just, I mean, there's no, you don't think of power and strength. But what did she do? She served, and she didn't serve like a king or a president. She served the poorest of the poor, the untouchables, whatever that means. In Calcutta, she served the dying, the people that had no one looking out for them. She took care of them, and notoriety and, and, and influence and strength rose out of this woman. So I think we would all be, anybody that's familiar with Mother Teresa would say, well, she, she was a strong woman. She wasn't frail in the spiritual realm. She was influential. She was fearless. She was extremely strong. She's a role model for everyone. So I think when we serve like that, when we play the game like that, team God, like if we are team church and we play by God's rules, we play in such a way that seems upside down. I mean, the way Jesus did things was upside down. He served those around him by washing their feet. So let's talk about that. We'll end the sermon uh, back the way we started with Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. Has anybody ever been in a church service or a small group where either your feet were washed or you washed somebody else's feet? Anybody? Raise them high. Like I've, I've been there, I, I think twice. Uh, we, had a, we had a college and young adults ministry at New Life North that I was a part of for years. And that we had a, on Friday night, sometimes we'd have a thousand young people come. And uh, the pastor uh, at the time, Aaron Stern, he preached a sermon on Jesus washing feet and said, now we're going to do this. And a thousand people uh, got up and like we brought out these bowls and people took turns kind of going through the lines, washing feet. You remember that? Michelle remembers that? Anybody else remember was there? And so we washed feet, then we would, you know, somebody wash our feet then we'd get down we wash somebody else's feet and it was weird it was so weird it was like i mean it, the washing of feet it's it's unusual because there's nothing like it in our society i mean the ancient world they would wash feet. Like if someone was wealthy and had a big party, you would have someone at the door washing feet is my understanding. And a Jewish person couldn't even have that job. They had to be 
even like they had to be a non-Jewish servant to wash people's feet. It had to be the lowest of the low to wash people's feet. And so Jesus, isn't it beautiful, takes on that role of the lowest of the low to wash his own followers' feet. So my question for you, I'm kind of being silly with it a little bit, but it's to get to this question, like what is a modern day representation of washing feet in our world, in our culture. You know, I said that analogy of we wa- a thousand people washed each other's feet and it was meaningful, but it, it was kind of weird because it was just out of the ordinary. Taking off the shoes, taking off the socks, didn't know I was gonna show up and have to do that. Wash, it was just, it was a little weird and the, it, was, it, was a, it was a symbol and it was a ceremony and it made sense in the sermon, but it was a little weird. So what is our today's equivalent of washing feet for one another? It's a good question, I think. I want to give it to you and and for you to ask the Holy Spirit. Like this week, what does it look like for you to serve someone in the same way that Jesus did when he washed his disciples' feet? I, I wrote down some ideas. Like maybe if you have roommates, maybe it's washing their dishes. Maybe it's coming to work early and making the, the coffee. Maybe it's being a person who is always holding doors for other people. Maybe it's uh, being a person on social media that is always building up people and encouraging them. Maybe it's helping a neighbor with yard work. Maybe it's picking up trash in a park. It's taking an act of service and serving like Jesus did. So here's what I wanna do now. We're, we're gonna receive communion together. And if, if you're visiting with us, we, we would love for have you uh, join with us uh, with God's table and receive from Christ's body and blood. There's uh, in your baskets, there's little um, uh, communion elements with the, the juice and the bread. And, and Brett will lead us to the table in just a moment. But here's what I wanna do is, is as you find your elements, you could stay seated and we'll quiet ourselves. And what I wanna do is to read through this story of Jesus washing his disciples' feet. And then we'll move to another act of service that Jesus did for us, which was dying for us, giving his body and blood for us. That's what we believe as Christians, that God himself died for us. And we hold the mysteries of the bread and the, and the juice, this cup, as, as mysteries of Christ's body and blood. So let me read through this story. And as I do, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, like how can you this week, this day, serve someone else, serve one another like Jesus did in this scene. So verse three of John chapter 13 says that Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his power, that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Do you stand with me? We're gonna pray. The band can come up. They're gonna lead us in one last song. So Lord, we, we pray to you now and thank you for the church. We thank you that church is your followers, people doing what you would do in ways that you would do them. And so Lord, would you empower us this day, this week to not just do what you would do, but do it in the way in which you would do it. Lord, we humble ourselves before you We prepare our hearts for communion. We thank you, Lord, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.